What is up, everybody? This is the Wild Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Heskett, and this is episode 71. Today's guest is Clarissa Gannon. She founded Vegan Fit for Life in 2014 and has over a decade of coaching experience in the fitness industry. She's a mom of four and an NPC figure competitor. So, obviously, many of you know I'm not vegan. Um, I have my own views of veganism. However, one of the benefits of having a podcast and one of the things that I think that is important for everyone is to have conversations with people who are different from yourselves, have different views of your own view of nutrition or other areas in life and have experience outside of your area and challenge your beliefs. So I learned quite a bit with this podcast myself. I think it'll be helpful for you, especially if you tend to be more plant-based or you want to include more veggies into your diet, which many of you need to do, myself included sometimes. So she gives great tips for that. So it even if you're not vegan, definitely give this episode a listen as she is awesome. Also, NPC figure competitor, she can get really, really lean using a vegan diet. If you don't know what the NPC is, which I'm not surprised if you don't know what that is because that's not usually the target of my audience, but I competed in the NPC back in, I guess this was 2013, 2014. Um, it is the organization before you get your pro card and go to the IFBB, which is like the big uh, bodybuilding competitions like uh, the Olympia and some of the other ones. So you go to the NPC, that's where you try to make it to the big times. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started with Clarissa. What's up, Clarissa? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Of course. I'm excited to have you on. You're your, our first vegan guest on the show. Um, so uh, as I reached out to you after when uh, you uh, signed up to be a guest, I was like, okay, just to know, like I'm huge into hunting and part of our audience also is, but we do have a lot of plant-based eaters and I'm not an expert in plant-based eating. So I always love having people who are because we do have some people in our community. Um, but with that being said, I don't want to spill all the beans for the audience. So uh, can you tell, give like the audience a little bit of a background on you and how you became a coach? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of like a twisty turvy story, but I always try really hard to condense it so we don't spend a whole hour <laughs> talking about where I came from. Um, but like growing up, I wasn't into fitness or nutrition or anything. Um, when I hit my teens, I developed anorexia. Coming out of that, I knew that nutrition was like the key to maintaining like any kind of physique that I, I wanted to maintain as far as, and also for being healthy, like our family was very big into holistic um, remedies. And so I think that played a part in where I am today mm -hmm. with everything. Um, fast forward, had a couple, well, like four kids. Um, so it's definitely never really worked out. We didn't do athletics. I wanted the kids to participate in those things because I felt it was important and I felt it was something I missed out on. Um, but as a mom, I didn't really like, I didn't really exercise. I would do some body weight exercises from time to time, but I walked a lot and really focused on the, the nutrition part. And for me, as you know, coming out of that place of being um, anorexic, the nutrition was really, really important. Um, and as I started to learn more about that, and you know, what, what true daily requirements are not and you know, not the USDA food pyramid. Um, I really started paying attention to the things that I was putting in my body in relationship to how I felt. Um, so that's how the animal products started getting removed from my diet. Okay. Uh, so fast forward a few more years, the kids are a little bigger. Um, I found the gym. I uh, was in a really bad position in my marriage. I was in uh, like a an abusive relationship uh, for myself and the kids. And I was like, I've got to get us out of that. I've got to get us in a better place. And so um, I applied for a federal law enforcement job. And to do that, I had to be a bigger, stronger person than I was. I found the gym and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing place. I feel amazing. I finally feel somewhat confident in myself. And so I pursued, you know, getting stronger and um, started <laughs> understanding that protein was actually a little more important than I thought that it was. <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, so I was able to, you know, get us out of that, that situation and get us into somewhere else. And as I just increased my confidence and, and started seeing positive change in my body, I was like, I have to share this with other women because they have to know what this feeling is. And that is how I became a coach. So long, long story, super short, um, get questions on any of that, any places we wanted to go. I mean, oh, I mean, there, there's a, a bunch of different routes we could go there. Um, oh, where let's, let's first stick with like the nutrition aspect of things. Cause I'm sure that's what most of the audience is curious about first. So, um, you started removing the animal products out of mm -hmm. your diet and you started to feel better. How did you come upon like going? Cause usually it's a process of like, mm -hmm. first you're like plant-based or slash vegetarian, however you want to find mm -hmm. that. And then it's like, nope, I'm making that full leap into being vegan. So what was that process like for you? Yeah, that was actually a really long process. Um, because, you know, before hitting the gym, finding the gym, I was vegetarian. And even, you know, um, I was vegetarian throughout pregnancies and the, the kids were fine. Like didn't have any problems being anemic or any of that. But as I found the gym and the gym community was like, you have to have protein, you have to have protein. And um, being vegetarian in the time that I grew up, we had tempeh and we had tofu and that um, almond cheese. And that's like really about <laughs> it. So I didn't feel that there was enough options to support what was needed for protein. So I went back to eating like chicken breast and tuna and, and all of that and egg white. And um, my digestive problems all came back. So mm. after a period of feeling horrible, I eliminated the meat again. And everybody was like, you can't do that. You're going to lose all your muscle. And I was like, just watch me. I'll be fine. And so I did, and I started feeling better. Like the huge, I used to get so bloated, but it was horrible. Um, and, and just like other GI problems too, like nausea. And I just always felt like I could, like the meat was honestly sitting in my system for a hmm. while. It's mm -hmm. Just the feeling of heaviness. So took that out, um, felt great for a while. And then I started having the problems again. So I was like, will... What else can I get rid of? So I eliminated all the egg white because I've never been a fan of eggs. Um, honestly, the egg yolk really grosses me out like so bad and always has. But um, I used egg white a lot being vegetarian. I was like, well, heck, I can have a cup of that and it's 20 grams of protein. So super easy. But the problems were coming back. So I ditched the egg white and then I felt fine. Then my husband watched, um, there's a documentary called what the health mm -hmm. and um, he was struggling with some GI issues and just like a lot of inflammation. So he was like, okay, well, after I watched that movie, I think that I want to try eating vegan. And I was like, oh, great. This is fantastic. So I ditched the dairy. We started eating vegan. He lost about 20 pounds. He felt way better. And then he was like, I want to go back. And I said, no, I'm not cooking that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that was the process of becoming fully, you know, low eliminating okay. all of it. I find it, this is the very individual aspects of nutrition where like, so I can't do too many veggies or I get GI issues, whereas you had meat and you get GI issues. So it's the very individualized experiences of, even though we're all humans, nutrition, sometimes like what worked for you won't work for me. And I've had some genetic testing where like, I absolutely love egg yolks. Well, I did some genetic testing. I need like double the choline of the average person, which is a great source in egg yolks. Mm -hmm. So like I crave that versus you're like, Ooh, so I bet if we yeah. tested you, you're like, your gene is fine. And you're right. like, no, I get all that from my diet. I don't need these things. So it's always interesting to hear like how people get into the, the different areas, like how I have become like more like this. Like I like these foods. Oh, mm -hmm. my body actually likes that. And you're like, I feel like garbage when I eat meat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. And that's it why I I'm like, I love having all of these different backgrounds on my podcast and talking to people. Right. Um, so now comes the next question. So regardless, uh, I'm not a carnivore approach. So everybody should be eating fruits and veggies and things. Being vegan, that's what, pretty much all you eat. So how do you make them taste good? Because that's going to be the next question I get from half my audience. How do you make the veggies taste good? And then how do you get your kids to eat them? Right. Um, 
being a competitive bodybuilder, I really don't care what my food tastes like. I know that I have to eat what I have to eat. Um, so that one's hard. It's always hard for me. And even in, in coaching people, my my view on that can cause like a bit of a roadblock um, sometimes for people. So have to think outside the box a lot. Um, my kids, um, they've when they were small, I always had them eat what we eat. And I've always, eat, you know, maintained that we need to have a protein, a carbohydrate and a vegetable at every single meal, breakfast, lunch and dinner. I mean, fruit at breakfast. But um, so they're used to eating vegetables, whereas some kids aren't because they didn't have that, that kind of a background. Um, but yeah, they get tired of things. So we, we rotate through some different options of preparing vegetables. Um, I like to keep things simple because when you have a business and you have kids and you're constantly studying, um, there's not a lot of time, but, um, we do like basic steaming. I have a steam oven. I love it. That's how I do all my, my personal meal prep. It's, you know, uh, you chop your things up, you put them in the oven 30 minutes later, it's done. Um, so that's easy. I like to bake a lot of the vegetables, um, that gives them a little bit of a different, um, uh, different texture. Right. And then when you're baking them, you can spray them lightly with, with the, um, spray oil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and then season them and, and they still remain very healthy that way. Uh, another way that my kids like the vegetables a lot. And, and I mean, I do too, if I'm perfectly honest is if we saute things. So, you yep. know, um, adding olive oil or avocado oil and then whatever seasonings and just, and just cooking them that way. Okay. Awesome. So I'm basically the same, same yeah. boat as you, uh, that grilling them is also something we mm-hmm. do a lot. Um, but yeah, baking, um, used to love that with Brussels sprouts, like throw it in oh, the yeah. oven or get them roasted delicious until like, it does not agree with me anymore. That is very sad. Oh, no. I get oh, major no. bloating from, oh, so good though. So I'll go out someplace and I will order them. Like I'm going to regret this. Um, but yeah, that is one of those where not by choice, I don't eat anymore. Cause I, I absolutely love them, but my body says otherwise, but yeah. Yeah. So what kind of like seasonings do you recommend for someone to use? Um, I use a lot of the the pink salt, uh, the black salt. If you haven't ever tried black salt, you usually should because it's absolutely amazing. Um, it's more flavorful than, okay. than regular salt. Um, so I like that. I use garlic a lot, even though it sometimes can disagree with people because it's awfully tasty. It is delicious. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that we, I actually use a lot of basil. Um, it goes good mm. on a lot of vegetables. It's super, super good on zucchini. And then um, balsamic vinegars. Those are so good on the broccoli, the mushrooms, the Brussels sprouts. Um, some of the white ones are really good on carrots too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have uh, probably 20 different flavors of balsamic vinegars. Yes. And my daughter, loves it and if she's not eating anything we just like drizzle a little bit of that and she will eat whatever it is whether it's like for us it might be like some meat or it might be the veggie like she started eating salad greens and she's you know 21 months she started eating salad greens because she liked the balsamic so she just like sucked that the balsamic off but then she started eating them so it's like kind of weird i'm like my kid eats salad i'm like i hated salad like growing up but it's because she likes the balsamic so much and i don't think a lot of people think of that when it comes to flavoring like we have all these different vinegars and it makes a big difference like we have ones like blueberry one for summer and spring and then you can get like more fallish winter ones same same method of prepping your food just like different flavors yes yeah, no, I love the balsamic vinegar. We have a uh, local, we have two actually local stores that, you know, they, they have like you walk in and it's just vats of olive oil and vinegar that are all different flavors. And it's so amazing. My son will go in with me, my youngest one, and he'll just drink the vinegar out of the little mm-hmm. tasting cups. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are good that way. We get one. Um, so my parents live up in Maine. I'm in Pennsylvania, but there's a place up there and that's where we get most of it from. So like our yearly trip up there, we stock up. Um, And yeah, some of them are like, "Mm, if you just try it, you're like, okay, it'll be good with something, but by itself. But other ones I've had, I'm like, I would just drink like a a shot glass of this. This is delicious. No, he totally does. It's crazy. Um, Okay. So 
that's how you flavor it. Now, what about the protein? Um, so I know f- when I do work with someone who, for whatever reason, that maybe they don't like meat as much, maybe they're going the same direction as you where they are going to start transitioning to more plant-based. Um, I usually set a slightly lower protein goal of like 0.8 pounds per uh, gram, the, the 0.8 grams per pound of their goal weight. Um, but what are your tips for getting enough protein in being vegan or plant-based? Right. Um, yeah. So you're spot on with what you're calculating for plant-based needs. So 0.8 is, uh, per gram, per pound is good, but also you can look at it as um, if you're dividing percentages. So mm-hmm. we always work you know, in 25% fat as, as like the low end. Um, you can also work in 25% protein for the low end. And then that leaves you 50 grams or 50% of carbs, which is fantastic for a plant-based diet. So that's, that's a uh, ratio we usually use with clients, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on their goals. Um, protein sources, there's tons of them, you know, like I mentioned, when I started this whole journey, we had tempeh, we had tofu, and we had really uh, gross almond cheese. Um, and, th- and that's all we have. <laughs> But there's so there's so many uh, varieties of plant-based protein powders now. Um, we actually carry our own. It's pea protein. I use it. My husband uses it. Um, it's it's pretty good. It comes in chocolate, um, which I, I really love the chocolate protein powders because chocolate contains like eight, um, usually eight grams of iron, which mm-hmm. is half of what you need for the whole day. So if people are complaining that they're uh, becoming an on a vegan diet will freaking use uh use a chocolate protein powder get some more greens in and have vitamin c and you're you're good to go but um so we use the chocolate protein powder and then there there's still lots of tofu but there's also some other varieties of tofu now um like there's one made of pumpkin seed that is so good it's a little higher in fat than regular tofu but it tastes absolutely amazing um there is a tofu made out of the fava beans they're you know hmm. they're like a raw bean in the lima bean family that one's very good and that one actually has no carbs and no fat so it's really good for the people that oh, are wow yeah yeah i don't know how they remove the carbohydrates from a lima bean or a fava bean but um that's what the label says and we've messaged the company and they're like if the nutrition is correct so is it high in fiber or is it like literally just protein yeah, I think there's a couple grams of fiber, so not not a whole lot. Interesting. It is. Yeah. Hmm. And then for people that are just new to transitioning, um, and my husband too, because he he is a or was a meat eater, is there's so many mock meats now. I mean, there's hmm. all the Beyond products, there's the Impossible, um, Gardein has some really good products. Uh gosh, I don't even know. There's so many now. It's like there's a new one almost every time I go to the store. There's, there's one that was amazing. Um, I just found it at Sprouts recently. It's called Meaty and they have steaks, which is really cool because now if the guys are grilling, I can have a steak and, and mm. eating in the dinner. Um, but those are made out of mushroom protein and they're, they're pretty good. Hmm. I have not heard of that. I've heard of people kind of doing things with mushroom to kind of mimic steak mm-hmm. because it does have like a very similar texture, but I have not heard that company. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's your stance on nutritional yeast? Because that's something I use with a lot of plant-based eaters, yeah. or at least recommend, is that something you include with your vegan plants? Cause I'm actually not sure where that lands on things. Yeah. So the nutritional yeast is more, I mean, there is some protein in it. Sure. But it's more a really good source of B12, which is found, you know, in animal products. So um, B12, though, is very poorly absorbed by the body. So yes, there are vegans that eat tons of it. I'm not one of those people. So I do use a nutritional yeast, but I also still supplement with a B12. Okay. So the B12 in there isn't absorbed super well. Got it. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just like it because I like the flavor. It, it, yes. So to the audience listening, if you've never used it, it's like a cheesy, I, I describe it almost like a nacho cheese flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's cheesy. You can throw in veggies, but without the calories of cheese. Right. Yeah, totally. Fat-free. <laughs> Fat, fat-free, tiny, tiny bit of protein, but loaded yeah. with a bunch of B vitamins. So I use it with eggs almost every morning with my daughter and um, we'll throw throw that on veggies and different things to give it that little bit of cheesy flavor. Um, so definitely. And my mom uses it. So she is 
more plant-based um, and she'll make like a cashew cheese to make like a dip. She'll throw that in there to make like a cheesy dip um, with like veggies or chips or something. Yeah, no, it's it's a good source of the B12 and it is, it's a super nice for flavoring. I actually put that on vegetables sometimes and my kids love it on popcorn. Oh, I forgot to say that. Yes, it is good on popcorn. Yeah, yeah that that's a good one. Um, do you use, so going, kind of going back to protein because I got sidetracked there. Um, do you use a lot of beans and stuff just like as is with clients um, or is it kind of like, your choice. What's your feelings on using some of that stuff? Yeah. Um, so I, I love beans. Um, that is me personally, our clients were, we have such an individualized approach to clients. Um, like when someone comes in, we, we run a full lab panel and we do a gut map as well. So the gut map is going to come back and tell us, you know, what's going on in the gut, but it's also going to list out foods that they need to include or avoid for, you know, uh, one to three months, depending on the condition of their gut. So um, based on, on that, and then also based on where their metabolism is, because if they're um, negatively adapted metabolism wise, then we're starting out with a smaller amount of calories. And mm -hmm. if that's the case, it's going to be really hard to get their protein from the whole foods like beans and grains and vegetables. So we're going to be adding in other things per gut map of, of what they can have as far as protein goes. But okay. our, our goal is to eventually get everyone, you know, up high enough with their metabolic capacity to be able to get most of their protein from whole food sources. Okay. So I know there's, I've seen some vegan bodybuilders out there um, and you look at their diet and it's like, it's mostly protein powders. Mm -hmm. Like I understand like it's great, but there's also a lot of people um, that I work with where they're trying to like limit like yes. any processed food at all. And it has its place. I have, I personally have a protein powder and I like it. I've used plant-based protein powders when my gut health's kind of like garbage and the dairy stuff isn't agreeing with me. Um, but sometimes it's like, that's just like, okay, easy protein source. We rely on that. So I was wondering, have, but I like that approach. So like, as you kind of reverse diet and heal their metabolism, then it's easier to fit those foods in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Gosh, okay. we've got a girl right now who's in prep and she's at like 3,600 calories. And so like everything is completely plant-based. There is no processed anything. And that's, it's, it's just amazing to see that. That's awesome. Um, and then a lot of people will try out the like chickpea pastas and stuff like that. What's the feeling on that? Cause I personally don't have any issue unless someone decides I'm going to get all my protein from this. And I've gone from eating zero beans to oh gosh, all the beans. That's such a good point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I do love some of the protein pasta, um, some of it is very grainy. So like the <laughs> passing the texture off here in the house with, with my husband and the boys is, um, kind of hard, but there are some where the texture is a little bit better. Okay. Um, so those, those can definitely be good. I mean, they're pretty simple ingredients, so you're not looking at a lot of processing, but like you mentioned, and, and I see this all the time too, is like people go, like you said, from eating no fiber, to going plant-based and suddenly, I mean, a typical diet, uh, you know, as far as eating whole food plant-based, you're looking at anywhere from 40 to 70 grams of fiber per day. If your gut's not used to that, you're going to be bloated. You're going to have gas. You're going to like think that everything is going wrong. And it's just because of your body isn't used to that amount of fiber. It's not that there's anything wrong with that amount of fiber. It's just way too much for your body to handle all at once. How do you work people in like incrementally up with their fiber intake? Cause that's going to just increase being plant-based. Oh yeah. Yeah. So since the majority of the women um, that come in are negatively, you know, metabolically adapted, it's easier because we're okay. working you know, generally from like 12 to 1400 calories up to wherever they're supposed to be. So it's easy to gradually increase fiber that way. Um, as you know, I don't know that I've ever had somebody come in and be eating 2000 calories and, and having a problem with that. Okay. Um, is, do you like, obviously I know it is a, like a weekly, um, adjustment and everything's personal, personalized, but it, do you like try to work in like, we're going to increase fiber, like five grams a week, or maybe it's a month depending on that person. Yeah. 
Um, it, yeah, it depends on the person. So it's always, you know, going back to the biofeedback of like, how's digestion, how's elimination, um, what's going on with those. And then, um, like you said, we do adjust sometimes weekly, but honestly, with most of the women, it's like every two weeks that we adjust because just that they've been dieting for so long, they're, they're that negatively adapted. So it takes a long time to get them stable, but, um, five grams. Uh, generally what we do is we increase calories by 50 to hundred, depending on where mm -hmm. that person is. So that's not leave. I mean, sometimes fiber is only increasing a couple grams each time okay. based, based on where that person is. Okay. I was, I was just curious. I try to get people to like 20 grams of fiber as fast as possible. Cause it's sometimes you get a client and you're like, you are eating five grams of fiber per day. Yeah. Okay. We're going to try to get you to 20 quick. And that is like, then it's like, let's slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but obviously very individualized because if they're getting bloating at 15 grams, so we're going to back it off some. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Interesting. Um, now going to shift gears here a little bit. Your mom, you run a business, you compete in bodybuilding. There's, there's a lot of things pulling for time and attention. So how do you kind of balance spending time with family, which is where like most 80% of my clients are moms. Hmm. How do you balance all the things of work life, your personal life, and making sure that you are giving the most amount of like time and love to your kids and family? Right. No, that is, has uh, been a process because admittedly I did not do well at that for a long time. And in fact, um, when I was, you know, alone with the kids, I, I did horrible at it. I had to work two jobs to, to keep the house and, and keep the kids with food and everything that we needed. But um, over the last few years, I've been able to refine things. Um, so what I find works really well for me now is to, number one, live by the schedule in my phone. That is, I, I cannot, <laughs> I have to put everything in my phone and then I just have to do what it says to do. So that helps tremendously. But like my workouts in there, if I'm doing meal prep, that goes in there. All of my meetings, of course, go in there. Um, and then I keep, as far as the business goes, I keep a list next to my desk of, of tasks that I need to accomplish each week. And that that keeps me on top of what I need to do. Um, but as far as family time goes is I have to... I don't have to, but I do get up early. I'm, I'm usually awake by five o'clock. Um, I take, I start work at five o'clock and then I will take a break and take the kid where he needs to go and go to the gym. And then I work the rest of the day and I try very, very hard to be done with my work by two, three o'clock at the latest. That way I'm not working when my kid is home from school. That way we can have dinner. Um, maybe I can vacuum the house, those kinds of things. And then, and then in the evening after dinner, when my husband's home, we can have our time together and I'm not working. Okay. So you just shift all of your things earlier in the day. So then in the evening you would have more time. Gotcha. I like that. Yeah, And then on Sunday, I don't look at my phone. Like I can't <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. I kind of do this. Sunday is a break day. Like no social, yes. limited social media. I can't say no. I'm still terrible at that, but not posting and doing work on social media. And then just like that is family time day. Um, okay. So you have end two or three, then you spend time with your kiddo, dinner, time with your husband afterwards. Um, when you work with clients who they're, they're probably struggling with this similar situation. How do you kind of like walk them through figuring out their best schedule that would right. work with what they're going, what's going on in their lives? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of lists. And then I know lists aren't always like in the optimal place. So like using sticky notes to set a reminder, you know, where you're going to see it of, Hey, I need to take, you know, 10 minutes and do my breath work or, Hey, I need to go to the gym or, prep your things the night before so that when you get up and do whatever you need to do with the kids, then you can go to the gym. Um, I don't ever ask clients to cut into their sleep time. I mean, that's one of the things that we really strive to work on and improve is sleeping. So I'm never going to ask you to get up at four and go to the gym. That's stupid. Um, but figuring out a time where you feel that it's realistic for you to be able to commit to going to, to do your exercise at that time each day or three times a week or whatever it is that, 
you feel that compliance is going to be good on. So even helping them figure out a routine is really ultimately up to the client and where they feel their level of compliance is going to be, because I can have the best plan in my mind for you, but if you can't follow it, it it's no good. Um, so we do, we do use a lot of lists and the, the sticky note reminders. Um, sometimes that's hard for people. So I'm also a fan of like doing the voice reminders in your phone that can mm. be helpful. As well. That's a good one. Um, I was, I hate voice reminders, so I always forget about that one. <laughs> Yeah, no, some people are like, I don't ever write anything down. I'm like, well, then talk to your phone. I mean, we spent, you know, $1,000 on a phone. We should be able to have it do something for us. Yeah, I am. I'm in the same boat as you. Huge list person. Here's my sticky notes. My list is here for the daily task. And then everything that um, syncs to the phone. So it's like, what's going on? Like my wife before this call is like, what's going on? What are you doing uh, today with work? And like, just pull up my Google calendar, boom, boom, boom. Here's all my meetings. Here's what has to get done. And then she knows, um, which actually is very helpful with your spouse because um, so right now, like we have to take the dog to the vet. So it's like, is today or tomorrow going to be better? And right now we're recording on Thursday. I'm like, okay, today, Thursday, I have all this stuff going on tomorrow. I have two calls. I like one's my assistant coach, which I could just move if needed in the morning. And the other one's in the end of the day she's like so tomorrow yes yeah no i agree that it is super helpful for my husband because he's like what are you doing i don't know let me look at my phone because i really don't know (laughs) yes well i tell people um because this is one of the things like i like for stress management it's like the first thing i try to do with clients is like we're just going to start with uh like making a schedule and power listing and getting your tasks down and getting them out out of uh out of your head because a lot of people will like ruminate and think like sleep quality also huge um that we work on first thing so what's the worst thing you don't have a list so you're trying to like remember all the things and getting anxiety trying to fall asleep you're just like sitting there tossing and turning so i say it's like kind of like uh if you've seen harry potter the scene where like dumbledore like takes the memory out of his head i'm like that's kind of like making the list like you you don't even remember like I don't know what's going on today. My wife's like, what do you mean that you don't know? I'm like, I wrote it down so I don't have to remember. I just know I have to look at my list by X time to make sure I don't miss anything. Um, But yeah, I go to bed. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow other than the basics. And I look at the list in the morning like, oh, that's what I'm doing today. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Another thing we do for our clients is inside our coaching platform, we have the ability to set reminders for them. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful, but they're only going to see that if if they look, you know, yes. at the coaching. So that's why external reminders are a huge help. Yeah, um, I try to get things on because I get distracted by my phone way too easily. Okay. So I try to get as much on paper as possible. But uh, my office is in the basement, so like weekends, the last thing I want to be is in my office. So I try to. You know, that's where the phone does come in handy. So there's a little bit of syncing between the two. Um, but as much as I can, I try to write things down because I'm also more visual. I think it's easier for me personally to visualize it on paper of like what the day is going to look like rather than like the app. That's me personally. But I also find the same thing with some of my clients. Like some people are very visual, like let's map this out, draw it out. And other people are like, nope, I, I'm fine with a, a phone and I get a notification like in an hour of a task coming up. Okay. Yeah, no, it's totally individual. Um, so the other thing you said, I think is always an interesting topic and people just love learning about it. Um, being your metabolism, being negatively adapted which is something you and I see all the time. When someone comes to you, what is the process of fixing their metabolism? Um, Because more often than not, we're getting clients where it's like, your metabolism is fucked. Right. Not not like, okay, great. We can go right into a fat loss phase. Um, So we generally will run through a reverse dieting phase for for most of our women, that's been an extremely long process, like, like six months at least. Um, so when a client comes in, we do, we have a, um, 
a form that they can fill out. And that kind of lets us know, you know, um, based on the, on the grading of that form, where their metabolism is sitting, like, you know, if they come in and, and, and it's a reverse, it's a reverse form. So if you score, you know, anything over 40, we're looking at metabolic adaption in the negative. Um, But if they come in and they're scoring like 70, 80, um, over a hundred, we're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a long process. Um, So we go ahead and, and do that first. And then we can kind of set you know, what calories should look like. Um, but sometimes that it depends on the client because sometimes they come in and they're, and they're not going to track. So they don't want to do anything. So then it's like, you know, going back to food pictures or can you write things down um, and, you know, trying to just get an understanding of how much they're actually currently getting in. And then mm-hmm. we can start making adjustments going upwards. Um, we've started recently a new process for our clients. Um, just because we're diving so much more into the health aspect, you know, in addition to to helping you lose weight, because what we find with working in the aid group that we work in is if we have things going on with our hormones or with our gut, um, you can be eating 1200 calories and not seeing any weight loss. And part of that's due to that negative metabolic adaption, but part of it can be really due to if you are severely estrogen dominant, if your cortisol is through the roof, if you have zero testosterone, um, if your gut is not absorbing things. So we look at all of those. And then we, what we have been doing is we jump right into what we're calling a restorative diet. It's a two week, very specific protocol. And what it does is it helps to reset insulin. So insulin starts working better. If insulin is working better, leptin and ghrelin start working better. Um, and then it's also designed to really calm down inflammation in the gut while we're waiting to get back the results from the lab. So once they're done with this diet, and what's crazy is that the diet in itself is generally around 2000 calories, but because we are rebalancing those three hormones of insulin, leptin, and ghrelin and reducing inflammation, the scale usually drops right away for our clients. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's awesome. And then, you know, if based on that, if we're able to jump right into 2000 calories where they should be, it makes the, uh, the reverse diet process so much easier. Well, yeah, if you get start out a diet to that, like awesome. Cause most yeah. of the time they're coming in and it's like, okay, we can start your reverse diet, like 1600. And then, like you said earlier, it's like 50 to hundred calories per week, slowly. And you could just do the math. If you're supposed to get to 2,600 calories, how many weeks is that going to be? It's going to be a yeah. while if you can make that adjustment weekly. And some people can't, some people yeah. it's biofeedback saying we're going to sit here for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just the whole process of getting, you know, getting to that, that end calorie ranges, then you have to stay there for a while because you have to be at maintenance and let the body uh, reacclimate and, and heal all those pathways that have been, well, they're not damaged, but they're downgraded. Yeah. And I think a lot of people hear like broken metabolisms or, or my hormones are, are broken. And it's like, no, you're just not eating enough to support it. But your body's also not a light switch. Like it's not like your maintenance is 2,600. We're going to hit that 2,600 mark. And your body goes, oh, we can fix everything today. No, it's a process. Just like it took you 10 years to get where you are stuck. It's not going to take 10 years to get back, but it's going to take months, if not, you know, better part of a year. Um, my friend, she did, um, she worked with a coach before she became a coach and she did a reverse diet for eight months, I believe. I think it was eight months, but then it was like her diet on the back end was three months. Like it was eight months of reverse dieting and she could have like tried to like struggle and do everything for the eight months and then have like, you know, another eight month reverse diet on the back end or eight months reverse diet three month diet, then just reverse really quick, like month and a half. And then now she's coasting. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful process. When you can, when you can map it out for people and people are like, okay, now I understand the plan. It is amazing how well it works, but if mm-hmm. people can't visualize it, it, it can be rough. Um, I'm sure you see this, um, the people who are like, a month in, two months in, and they're like, it's not working. Oh, yeah. How do you like walk them through? Cause it is frustrating. Like I, I understand where they're coming from. Like you want this transformation yesterday. It's mm-hmm. like, 
we can't even start for six months. Um, how do you walk them through like, hey, like, remember, this is the process. Yes. No, that's exactly what we do um, to help that process and, and help prevent that a little bit. It doesn't always work 100 percent. When clients come in, we have like a four part video series that, that they watch and that walks them through the different phases of the program. So letting them know like right up front that we're probably not entering fat loss until month six. Uh, has really helped a lot, but there are, there are still questions and there are still doubts and, you know, it goes back, they're doing something they've never done before. Um, so it's hard and, um, they can, they can have trust in the process, I feel, and still, and still doubt it just because it is so opposite of what they've done all of their lives. Um, other clients come in and (laughs) I love it when this happens, you increase their calories and the scale goes down and they're like, (laughs) But that doesn't happen all the time. And you never know who that's going to happen to. Yeah, that's I have a client right now and that that's happening. It's like one of my many clients. It's like it's cool to see, but you can't. I I don't really advertise that that much because it's one of those things like in the client wins, like, oh, I can't tell someone else who comes in if that will be them either. Like it, right. it's one out of right. very many. Yeah. So what we do is um, generally through the process of reverse dieting, we're also working on building muscle. So as you're building muscle and your body is actually able to build it because you're giving your body sufficient intake now to build, um, what we do see is drastic improvements in body composition. And so like if your clothes are fitting better and, you know, you, you physically look better, you look more fit, who cares what the scale says? Like, I don't understand still why we must attach our value to some arbitrary number on the scale. A lot of people are stuck with, I oh weighed this God. in high school. So I want to get back to that. High school. Yeah. It's like, well, were you actually happy with the way you looked in high school or is that just this magical image you have in your head? And at the same time, like if we build muscle, you'll never get back to that weight. Right. You'd have, I mean, you, Maybe they would get back to that way working with you. I don't work with bodybuilders and uh, competitors, but uh, that would be the only time they might get close to that weight is right before stage prep after you uh, flush out the water and everything like that's that's sustainable for about like maybe two weeks. Right. Yeah. And even with the competitors, we don't want a low number on the scale. I could give a crap what the right. number is. And, and that they always ask, what should I weigh on stage? I'm like, the judge, the judges are not going to weigh you. You're not in the bodybuilding com- you know, category. So you're not getting weighed. What the judges care about is how much fat you have. You know, it's not a bodybuilding competition is a body building competition. So we're constantly striving to make our body bigger. It's not a dieting competition. <laughs> Yeah. So the, the number even for competing um, on the stage really, really doesn't matter. Um, they weigh, like I said, the bodybuilding categories and they weigh physique. And that is so that they put you in the proper category to be with people that are the same size as you. That way, you know, you're not weighing 110 pounds and you're on stage with somebody that's 210. Like that right. wouldn't be fair. <laughs> they, they do wait for women's physique. Yeah. I did not know that. I knew it was height for like bikini and figure. I didn't know that. Um, is wellness height? Because that's the new one. Um, as far as I know, wellness is height. Okay. I've been so I've been out of the bodybuilding world for ten years. So I'm like I I kind of I'm like from the outside looking in. I'm like I kind of remember some of this stuff, but it's been literally ten years, so I don't don't know everything. Yeah. Okay. And I I didn't compete last year, so I'm kind of kind of out of the loop of that hopefully next next winter it's it's amazing like one year changes so much in the bodybuilding world you're like that's why i don't i don't work with any competitors because i'm so far out that i just like i will move them to another like like someone like you i will move them to work with someone like you where hey this person knows what the judges are looking for and they're the most up to date with the process i can get you lean i can build your muscle but the like last couple of weeks of stage prep or getting your physique to look a certain way, like I I'm out. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, you work with, um, you obviously fix their metabolism and then, then you go into a fat loss phase. 
And then what's that process look like, you know, where everyone wants to get to after the diet's done, either they've hit their goal or they need a break. What's that process on the back end there? Um, after the fat loss phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after fat loss, um, obviously we don't want to leave our clients dieting. Like that is the worst place to leave diets. You will regain the weight. And that's one of the things that we're very proud of is that, our, you know, we don't want our clients to regain the weight. We want them to maintain. So then we do uh, another reverse diet on the back end to get them back up to a healthy range. And, and then they honestly, they remain in our community for as long as they want to. So if they, find that they're struggling down the road, uh, they can message us and we'll do a macro check for them or, you know, see if they need some additional support and getting more labs done or whatever that may, may look like for that individual. Okay. Got it. Um, something, uh, you brought up with you diet, you do, uh, competitions in the winter. I'm like, Oh, that, I did the same thing. Um, <laughs> so, um, I actually used to do like early spring, um, okay. when, uh, when you're working with clients, do you try to, um, you know, if you have like a ideal situation, this doesn't work for everyone. Do you try to map out like a year for someone and like, Hey, like during these times of the year, we're going to plan for your fat loss phase based on like things going on in your life. Um, you know, obviously it's very individual, but is that something you do with some of your clients? Um, yeah, before we go into fat loss, whether you're competing or not, there's always a question like, do you have a vacation coming up? Like, are the holidays around the corner? Because that wouldn't be a very good time to enter a deficit in either scenario. So looking at those things, I feel is always important for determining if it's a good time to start a fat loss phase. Or not. Awesome. I do the same thing. Wanted to hear your thing because I refuse to diet over the holidays. Yeah, it can, it can be hard for sure for some people. <laughs> Most, most people, uh, so literally like October 15th, like we do like, uh, a message show of our clients, like, okay, we, we've been talking, we've been hinting at this and talking a little bit, but this is like, we need to set a hard plan now of what's your plan for the holidays. Are you dieting or are you taking a break? And we're going to like build muscle for the next two months before entering the next fat loss phase. Um, and you 50% try to diet through which some are successful, some it's kind of just like maintenance. And then uh, the ones that build muscle are usually very successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can totally diet through the holidays if, you know, if your personality is right for that um, and still be able to enjoy them. Something that we do with clients a lot is moving through fat loss phases. We will utilize a refeed. If you have a compliant client, if you do not have it's a recipe for disaster. Um, but then if you're utilizing refeeds in a smart manner, you can still use those around the holidays and still enjoy the holidays, but in a more responsible manner. How do you structure a refeed? Um, we just, what we do is we, because protein is always a tad low for our clients, right? We're working with 25%. Um, we will just increase carbs by, you know, what really depends on the client. Um, and their level of leanness, how long they've been dieting and all of that. So every feed can look like anywhere from between 20 to 150 extra carbs. It just depends on the person. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Um, anything else you wanted to go over today? Um, I think we talked about a lot. Of- <laughs> I think we have fi- we hit all the bullet points and then some. Um, so where can people find you? Um, on all the social media platforms. Um, so on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, it's under the business name Vegan Fit for Life. Um, YouTube and Twitter are both under my name, Clarissa Gannon. And then we have a, a website, Vegan Fit for Life. Awesome. So that information will be down in the show notes. And then um, you're going to be having, so when this episode airs, you're going to be having a challenge coming out, correct? Yes, we are going to do a 28-day challenge in August. Awesome. And then that, um, for someone to sign up for that, that will that be on your website, Facebook group, all of the there above? Be, um, yes, it will be in the Facebook group, and there will be a link on um, Instagram and TikTok. Awesome. Okay, so probably the easiest way, g- click the link to Instagram and TikTok, and then click the link in bio, and that's going to be the easiest way to sign up for the challenge be pretty easy yes (laughs) awesome perfect well thank you for coming on and 
definitely check out Clarissa at, with uh, down the show notes and give her a follow. Thank you so much, Chris. I've really enjoyed talking with you this morning. Yeah, no problem. Hey guys, thanks for tuning today's episode. Make sure you check out the show notes and give Clarissa a follow and check out all of the stuff she has to offer. With that being said, as always, please give the show a five-star review and actually leave a written review as that helps the show get seen by more people and get the show out there. Also, I do read the reviews. This is something I do track all the metrics for the podcast weekly. So if you write a review, I will see it next week. And I will use that information and either reply back to you if it's not anonymous or use that to better create content for you. Because ultimately, while yes, sometimes I do ask a few selfish questions for myself with the guest, this is about creating a podcast with no BS information to get amazing information out into the world for you, the listener, to get that is not coded in the bullshit marketing of most of the fitness industry of supplements and other stuff that just trying to make money off of your insecurities, um, which they made a lot of money off of my insecurities a long time ago. With that being said, one last thing, we are looking for five individuals for the PwC Transformation Program. We also have three spots available for our Pinnacle Program. So the Pinnacle Program is going to be our highest level program highest level of accountability involved in it. The investment is higher than the transformation program. However, if you are looking for a program that in the next year is going to totally transform your life, that is the program for you. If you're looking for something that you really need day to day to support, that's the program for you. Both programs get amazing results. It's just the level of accountability and the level of access to myself that you want. Regardless, we're looking for five people with the transformation program and then three people, three slots have opened up for the Pinnacle program. So let me know by clicking down the show notes. The application is down there. Let me know if you are interested by filling that out. And then I will personally reach out to you and we will have a conversation to see if you are a good fit for the program and which program is the best fit for you. And from there, we will get things scheduled and get you uh, on your way to achieving the health, body, and weight loss results you dream of. With that being said, that's it today, guys. Thanks for tuning in.